0: So, I just got some calls in and I decided I'm going to be a better turkey hunter this year, I guess. And I noticed the naming convention on the calls. Ninja, Ninja Ghost, and Ninja Venom. If I was a turkey hunting company, I would call this one Slutty Hen. I'd call this one Gobble Gobble Make You Hala, and Red Oak District. And that, folks, is how I'm going to kick off this podcast. Yep, going to let it rip. Anyways, wanted to let you guys know we are doing a, a big giveaway on Patreon, actually. And we are giving away a marsupial bino harness. And the deadline to enter is literally the 15th of March. So we are going to get this podcast out early in the week. Literally, I think the minimum entry fee for that bad boy is two bucks. And we try to get back to those folks on Patreon. We put out some scouting videos on there, some single off uh, podcasts. Literally, we try to put a piece of content on there about once every 10 days to once a week. And appreciate those guys supporting the brand at a high level. Also, we have a couple hats and koozies that are available. Uh, there's a link in our Instagram profile um, under that like story highlight area. If not, you can DM me. But I do have just a few hats, and I think we'll probably put another order in for those bad boys. Uh, on the custom gear side of things, the fix looks like it is coming to market. Um, I don't believe our code is going to work with that pre-order sale they got going on. But if you're going to pick up some gear from custom gear, enter code WEXP at checkout. That'll save yourself some cash. Other than that, I think we'll do a scouting recap uh, podcast at some point with Dave and myself. Uh, so look for that in the very near future. Good luck of your shed hunting. Let's get to this week's podcast. Let's go.
1: Better Chip. All
0: right, we are live. Uh, a couple technical hiccups there, but I think we got it. I think we got it figured out.
1: Well you are uh, hanging out with an okayist hunter and technical difficulties must happen on anything involving an okayist hunter.
0: That is true. So on the phone uh, is a friend of mine, Mr. Greg Tubbs, who we met, um, I think 2017, 2018 uh, probably either the first year of whitetail experience or second and kind of met through the internet or social media, which a lot of people, I don't know, or negative about, but now you and I talk on the phone once a week.
1: Yeah, at least at
0: so, least once a week. Yeah, that
2: We're is
1: talking something. It's either beer, deer, turkeys, what not to do. We, yeah, yeah we we talk fair amount. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. So it's been good, and and uh, it's it's kind of crazy, you know. Social media gets a huge bad rap, and and but this is some of the good. It's funny that I talk to you who I've never met in person. Right. Because <laughs> uh, I was supposed to come ice fishing, and then we had the hiccup with the surgery. And, and, but anyways, yeah. never met in person, but we talk once a week on the phone. And it's all about the passion really involving hunting. But we drift off into food and, and life and, and, and other things. But generally, it's around hunting.
1: Right. Well, and what, that's what good people do, right? I mean, we, we talk with each other.
0: Exactly. Now, what is the beverage being consumed today uh, during said podcast we are recording on a Saturday night? So, oh.
1: some, some bootlegged Yangling in a bottle.
2: Yangling, I know, you're not, I know you're
1: not. Yeah, you're not a huge fan of it, but I'm I'm partial to it. So, it's yes. being consumed here.
0: Okay, okay, that's a solid. I have a, a Modella in a, a fancy new koozie that you may recognize.
1: Yes, it's a very nice koozie.
0: Yes, it is the hard-earned bucks you earned this beer koozie. Um, actually, uh, Mr. Eric um, help design the logo on this guy.
1: Not surprised there whatsoever.
0: Yes. Your co-host. I'm now I did add, you beer. earned this beer. I, that was a Byron Horton ad, Um yes. but, but Eric designed the, the graphic, uh, the textured print. He did a great job with that. And, and very, very, uh, you guys got a show coming up with OKS Hunter. You guys are going to be where
1: we are going to be at the open season outdoor, or open season sportsman's expo, I believe, is what it's called. Something Wisconsin delts. Yeah, um,
2: and it, yeah, and
0: in weeks. case you you listeners don't know, OKS Hunter is a brand that Greg does. Oh, he is the co-host on the podcast. Um, they have a very funny social media presence, um, all in pursuit of just kind of being OK hunters. They, they you know, they don't claim to be big buck killers. Um, no. They have some very funny video memes. I highly recommend those.
1: Yeah, Um, we're all about having fun, making fun of ourselves, Um, you know, and we make fun of each other as a group, as a whole, and it's all about, you know, the hunt and do what makes you happy. It's your tag, it's your hunt, do what makes you happy.
0: Yeah, and I like some of the little skits or whatever, like Greg uh, did a skit where here's your OKS Hunter tip of the day. Be sure to forget like your release back at the truck so you can go back and get the second donut out of the, the box of donuts Absolutely. there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a perfect example.
1: You don't see us out running marathons. We're not out doing tack events. You know, we're not fit as a fiddle. Uh, but, you know, we like a donut. We like a beer. And we like to go kill a few deer once in a while.
0: That is right. And, and we will get to that because you had a, a great season. Um, this, this past year, and actually a couple of those videos are on the white tail experience YouTube channel, which was a project in itself. I'd been asking Greg to film for us for a couple of years. And finally this year he bit the bullet and we will, we will probably discuss self-filming in this, this podcast, but Greg, what if we we're kick not- it off? I, I put on social, um, if guys had a quick comment, they know you and I were kind of DIY guys. Uh, you're more of a swamp hunter. Uh, I'm more of a big, big woods hill country stuff, but, uh, let's see. I, I think I got a few things come in. And uh, okay. this is a good one, uh, checklist checklist of things to do during the off season to increase opportunities and efficiencies in the field. And that came in from uh, an Andrew Young's. So I can pronounce that name. So,
2: okay,
0: uh, Andrew, appreciate the question. Uh, Greg, yeah. a little bit of a checklist of things to do here in the off season.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know me. I mean, you and I have had a lot of conversations about tweaking your arrows in the off season, tweaking your bow in the off season. Um, just kind of squaring away your weapon and getting—if you weren't proficient with it last year, now is the time to do it. You know, pretty much from the end of bow season, if you're if you hung it up, it's time to pick it back up again. If it needs needs a string, it needs some tuning. You don't feel right with, with it, whatever it might be. Now it's time to go to the pro shop. Mm-hmm. Go to the pro shop, get it restrung. Have them work with you. You know, if it, if it's if it's a something with your your technique or whatever it might be, now's the time to get working on it.
0: Yeah, and I'm a big fan of have that archery stuff tinkered out so that once turkey season's done, you can just pick up the bow and be ready on the archery side of things. Um,
1: Yeah, I think it's a great idea, absolutely. Um, Another thing, you know, you see everybody posting about it, scout, scout, scout. Well, now is a great time to scout because you're really not boogering anything up. Snow's melting. I mean, up here, we still got a little bit of snow on the ground. Things are frozen. I mean, we are a high of 20 today. Tomorrow, we're supposed to be a high of 50. So things oh, are going to melt.
0: I told you I cleaned the house a lot this week, you know, really prepping awesome. for that. We we got dumped on, and I'm not going scouting tomorrow. So, wow. I I I listeners, I literally cleaned the house every night from Tuesday on, like, did all the extra shit. Like, you know, I mopped the floors. I filled her gas tank on Thursday. Like, you I was like, babe. Earning- Oh, oh, I was I was ready buddy. Oh, to go scout my ass off Sunday and, and come home at like two o'clock or something. And uh, we got dumped on in snow and I'm just, I'm, it's not an efficient use of my time to go scout in the snow. Um,
1: not really, because you're not going to see, you're not going to see the scrapes on the ground. You'll see rubs, but I mean, if you've got any measurable amount of snow, three, four, five inches mm-hmm. of snow, if there's any sheds laying on the ground, the, the chances yeah. of finding them aren't as good.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, just walking hill country and climbing hills, side hilling all becomes way more difficult. So, so yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of scouting in the snow, but I would say that is my number one lesson. If I look at the last 10 years of my bow hunting, it's like when I started scouting in the off season, a lot, a lot in like learning the ground and just, it's like, it's like going to practice if you're, you compare it to sports. Um, right us guys aren't fortunate to hunt six days a week or whatever in the fall, but can you add some, some time in those, those woods, any off season learning it, marking key features. That's to me, what kills deer is scouting.
1: That is your practice. That's, that's you running your laps. That's you conditioning. Um, you're getting out and again, you're not boogering something. You're not screwing up your opportunity at a deer. Yeah. You are going to go out and you're going to find, you know, and, especially for a new piece right like
0: oh new piece yeah it's as much yeah as much time as you can this
1: is the time to go and and two you can kind of see what they were doing last fall you can see where the rub lines are the scrapes are yeah great quick
0: quick hitters when when okay wrap up your point and then i I got a quick hitter on this guy that i think's good
1: okay so yeah get out there look for that sign and then again you're going to pick that up again early fall probably because things move Things always move, and that's I'll quit there.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, if you had uh, three quick items on your checklist, what are your top three priorities right now looking at getting into the 2022 season?
1: 2022 season um, one, scouting a new piece just so I have an, another new piece to kind of lean on. Because if all of a sudden the pieces that I've been leaning on, I run into some pressure. I start seeing more pressure. I want to have another piece you know ready to go at least an idea how the deer are moving through it not necessarily you know confirming that exactly where that big buck is because it's going to move things are going to change you know some things stay the same but you get a little bit of pressure on it i mean my pieces aren't monstrous but there's there's enough pressure that gets in there and i just I would like to have another backup plan, a Plan C or a Plan D. Yeah, um, that's that's probably one of the biggest things is having a, an extra plan. Yeah. What um, else is on your docket? I'm probably going to be getting another set of arrows from Vector, so that'll be tuning those things. Mm-hmm. Um, my bow, my bow needs a string. I, I shoot a lot, and I've had that string on for two years, and it's already starting to starting to fray, so it's due for a replacement.
0: Okay. And yeah. number three.
1: Um, number three, man, it may come to you. It may come to you. I I, I think,
0: um, my number one right now is probably I'd like to go for, I feel I am one walk away from turning up some really good sheds. Sure. I, I, I always feel that way. I'm not going to lie. But uh, you know what kind of information I've run across in the last month on some late season card information.
1: Yeah, yeah and you've seen some of the stuff I've had.
0: Yeah. So, so. my
1: number three, it might be a two-part to the number three, but I just pulled my cameras today. Mm-hmm. My wife and I took a walk. We pulled my two cameras I had left out. Um, you know I had a couple of nice ones on the cameras, and all of a sudden they showed up in the middle of last month with no horns on their head. Okay. So I've got three ideas of where they could be. That's probably another thing. It's a consolation prize. Let's be honest, because wherever I'm going to find those sheds doesn't necessarily mean that those deer are going to be there in the fall. You know, it's just the way it is, especially with the amount of people out walking around looking for sheds, rabbit hunting, all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah. Number two, for me, I got to get to my, uh, my secondary piece. I got like six or eight cams out there um mm. to me i think that might be a turkey mission i might go turkey hunt that area and and just essentially be burning boot leather and if one strikes up and wants to play well now i'll play i do know there's decent birds bird numbers in, in that area so it, it, i can do two for one there i think that's what i've decided at this point point. and then uh sure. my my other big one is my bow setup is going to be like all new or or 90 new like it's going to be a new bow new site um, arrows may change slightly, just depend on whatever the bow wants to eat. Right. And, uh, let's see here. I don't know if the rest will change. The quiver is going to change. The, um, stabilizers will probably change, but yeah, my, my, and, and I think, uh, Dave and I were discussing with, I've got a decent range out front, uh, or out, uh, out out of the house here. I think it's time to purchase a 3d target. I've never I've never really owned a good 3D target. I've spent a lot of money on good bags and good blobs and, and foam, but I think this is the year I add that to the collection. And then a buddy of mine, Shannon, lives around the corner. He's got a lot of 3D targets, so I think I need to make shooting a, a priority this year.
1: 3D target be really handy, I, and, and I'm with you. I'm, you got a brand I'm you recommend? A, I'm a huge fan of the Reinhardt just because of, one, they're made here. Two, yeah um i've got a block here that i love the fact that the middle is replaceable
0: oh yeah you've got the reinhardt you can change the center core out
1: yeah and and they're even their 3d targets you can replace cores then.
0: yeah i um i bought some big shot uh foam type targets that are like uh similar to the block style targets you can shoot broadheads or field points they're they're a dense foam one they're lighter uh than than the block and they the arrows pull better um, and I, by no means, uh, uh, am affiliated with big shot. I just think it's a good product. Uh, they got a handle sure. on the top four or five sided shooting. They also make a 3d target that I've heard is decent. Uh, I think it's pretty pricey. Um, I may be looking at camo fire Reinhardt specials. Um,
1: yeah. Blemished, blemished targets or something. And yeah. there's, there's another company out there too. Kirsch, Kirsch outdoors, I believe. And I, bl- I want to say they're made in Wisconsin as well. Yeah. Um, one of the events I shot at not too long ago, they had some Kirsch targets and they felt a little bit lighter weight and the foam felt softer. Arrows seemed to pull nice out of it and it definitely stopped them. And I'm, I'm shooting pretty heavy arrows and it stopped my arrows. No problem. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's options out there.
0: Uh, I go back and forth. Cause I, I, if I'm shooting at a, a deer sized target and it's not like a 3d marked one, I feel like, okay, I'm trying to shoot kill shots. That's a lot bigger than me saying, I want to hit that quarter at 30 yards. And I'm like, oh, okay. I noticed, hey, you know, I shot a, a three-inch group at, at, at 30 yards. Or I noticed, hey, all my arrows were right by two and a half inches, roughly. If you look at my three or four groups of the day, it's like, maybe I should right. bump my sight. I just feel like shooting at dots allows you to maybe see how truly fine-tuned your setup is compared right. to, say, the 3D.
1: Yeah shooting at dots shooting at a flat face target is going to help you tune your bow tune your sight make sure you're hitting plumb make sure you're hitting where you're aiming you know you can graph it out if you want to whatever but when it comes to taking a shot at an animal animals aren't flat they're contorted in different you know different directions Mm. so i think shooting at a 3d target is very helpful especially for those hunters out there that maybe haven't shot a lot of deer you know what's cool about that 3d target is you can you can turn that thing so it's quartering away or quartering two and then you know you can work on some of those harder to take shots and gain confidence
2: with yeah
0: yeah i i think both are definitely needed um but i mean full disclosure i've literally never bought a 3d target and i've been bow hunting since i was 18 um
1: sure
0: it's just we one just, we just
1: pay a little bit of money and go shoot somebody else's phone
0: yeah yeah i i've done that and then uh some of the state ranges have some stuff some of the uh one of the metro parks has a has a 3d course that that isn't terrible um but yeah yeah um I think a little bit of mix of both. Now I will say this: I shot 3D on Friday nights at Velocity back in the day. That range has since closed, and I, I will say I got to be a much better shot in a very short amount of time when a little cash, a little bragging rights, a little, a little competition kicked in there. Um, and to me, I related it a lot to golf, where like uh, my buddy Andy, Andy, most people know Andy, Andy on a one-on-one shot will will outshoot me most times. But if we got to go shoot 10 to 20 shots and you got to concentrate for two hours, I think I've, i I've beaten Andy more times than he's beat me, even though I will say all day, he's a better shot, but I I have that ability to concentrate and focus, you know, on that extended period of time, because uh, yeah, that shooting 3d like that when the pressure's on is is definitely a good thing. I feel like every now and then to throw into the system.
1: Yeah. Throw a little uh, competition, a little pressure in there. And I mean, let's be honest, if you got a deer, no matter, what gets your heart pumping if you got it you know within 20 yards you already got pressure going
0: yeah shooting deer and shooting foam ain't ain't there's not there's not a lot of
1: similarities no there really isn't but if you can if you can mentally dial up the pressure on yourself while shooting foam against the buddy
0: yeah dealing with pressure is uh, yeah that does help you bet That, that does help all right um wanted to ask you i uh searching for turkey bullets today and could not find any all right and you're a guy who who, over the course of the years has done some choke testing done some shell testing i've done a little bit of shotgun shooting out out uh, now that i live where i do but uh that is a whole ball game
1: it can be the ball game if you're struggling you know it's just like anything else you find the holes in your armor And if your armor is, Hey man, I can get birds to come in. I can get the drop on a bird, but I'm struggling to make a good shot or I take a shot and they miss, or I think I hit them and they run and I don't ever find them. Mm -hmm. That's we've been there. I've, I've missed a few birds and I decided one year, you know what? I'm just going to sit down with a couple different rounds and maybe work with a couple different choke tubes and I might have to spend some money. Yeah, like it seems like for a while there, every year I was buying another choke tube and messing around. And yeah, it takes money, but it, sometimes you got buddies that shoot the same gun you do. doing. Hey, you know what? I'll sell you this choke tube for 30 bucks. Mm. There you go. You know, 30 now, bucks. Now, is pocket. there
0: a consistency among choke tubes? Like Dave has a, a Carlton, I think is the brand you recommended Carl- him.
1: Yeah, a, a Carlson. Yep. A Carlson. Okay. And, uh, shows yeah, how much and I, and I know about Carlson makes, and everybody makes a couple different versions of tube.
2: Dude, I got different. like a
0: Primos choke tube I bought for $15.99 when I was like 18 years old. I, I've never yeah. upgraded it. I've upgraded a lot of other equipment in my day, but never sure. my and turkey I, choke.
1: I got a I got a, a true glow choke tube. I don't even know what the restriction or the constriction is on it. Mm-hmm. It's nothing, nothing's on it. It gives a stock number, and I don't even think they make that tube anymore. But I killed I think I killed two birds with that tube. Um, and they were all close range. I think they were eight and fifteen yards. They were real close. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think I, I missed a bird with it out at like 45. Okay. I'm going, you know, I didn't really take a shot out to 45 ever with it, but the bird got real jumpy and he was kind of like, eh, I'm not coming in any further. And he kind of started doing the dance where he was going to spin around and take a run down the other side of the field. Yeah. And I took a poke at him and which might not have been the smartest thing either. Cause I wasn't really rested tight and you know i pulled the trigger and let him have it or thought i did and Mm -hmm. he it's like he ducked the (laughs) ducked around and kept on running there wasn't a feather even harmed on his head oh now
0: what uh you probably know this right now do you have a holdover mark at say 40 45 because i feel like a lot of turkey guns probably zero somewhere around 30 with it with a turkey choke
1: it depends on the round you know like i messed around with a couple different rounds um and right now i'm settled on uh, a winchester uh a winchester turkey shell that i really like in in a number 5 okay it's a copper plated um it, it it works really well i've killed a couple birds with it now and i'm happy with it i think i changed choke, choke tubes last year to the uh the winchester tube from carlson that works with the ammo and it tightened up the pattern just a little bit out to 45 yards and okay. that's holding pretty much right on the dot okay 45 it hammers pretty good at 45 right on the money
0: yeah i i like i said i'd like to pick up a another box or two i think but i think between me andy and dave we have a whopping 10 rounds of turkey loads between the the three of us right now and uh we just yeah we'd like it we we've already discussed if somebody finds 12 gauge three inchers we're gonna scoop up a box or two for sure um
1: and I, honestly you know you come ten to a pack unless you're buying the real expensive like federal tss loads that are you know they're
0: yeah, because isn't the there concept. like a nine shot TSS that's like super yeah. dense and like people claim that they had that at the gun store and I was like, dude, I'm I'm not taking no flyers on this. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of money too. I mean, you look at it, a box of uh, Winchester Longbeard XR, that's what I'm shooting in a number five. You can get number fives and number four seem to be the most common on the shelf. Um, okay. I like the number fives. You get a few more pellets in there, and they seem to pattern a little better out of the gun.
0: Yeah, dude i've missed there. a bird at like seven eight yards one year with dave and you know i was probably shooting something the size of a quarter
1: yeah that's that's kind of a bummer i mean you must have you probably
0: oh i last was- the mohicans him and i got him don't you worry man i missed him okay. at seven yards and then ran uh but dave not- so so this is worth telling actually this <laughs> video is on youtube so Dave and I, novice turkey hunters, we don't know shit. And we messed up like the third week of season, we had a bird come behind us. And we're like, oh, he'll circle around. We ain't going to move. When realistically, that turkey, he, he was gone. Like he circled behind us and he left. And we said, okay, next bird that does that, we're just going to, we'll rambo. We'll get him. So these these two birds, David already shot one. These two birds come behind us. And I hear Dave go, Byron, they're right behind us. And he goes on three, you, sh- you go to like find him, like stand up and look behind us. He said, I'll roll under your feet. So the barrel will be like well past my head. So we go one, two, three, Dave combat rolls to like my shins. And I stand up and this bird straight matrix, like matrix, you know, the, the famous scene in the matrix, I see his head and I'm like, boom, squeezing, squeezing. And he just goes matrix mode on me. I squeeze off the round. I knew I missed right away. Dave's sitting there yelling at me, like, how'd you miss? And I just take off last of the Mohicans, like 20, 30 yards running through the brush. And that turkey had ran over the hill and tried to find his buddy. And he stopped at like 35 and I let it rip and I got him. Um, Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, w- literally Dave and I, I've killed, I think two birds. I, we are very turkey rookies. Um, I have blown an opportunity on a bird that was a gimme. Um, yeah, we're, we're not turkey hunters.
1: Well, it, and it takes practice. You know, my first year, I was 13 when I shot my first bird with okay. a two and three quarter inch shell. And that was at 45 yards with a two and three quarter inch shell. Oh, wow. But that was with uh, the old wingmaster of my dad's, but it had a 30 inch full choke barrel on it. Okay. So that, that gun could reach out and touch a lot of stuff. Okay. But it took more than one shot to kill that bird. I maimed it with the first shot. Ran okay. up to it and then shot it with finish it off at the second. But to date, that's my biggest bird, 24 pounder with 11 and a half inch beard.
0: Oh, wow. What kind of spurs?
1: Yeah. Uh, spurs were maybe three quarters, seven eighths of an inch. They weren't real big.
0: Would you rather shoot a big spurred bird or a big bearded bird?
1: Spurs, honestly, I, I don't really care. You don't see the spurs. What?
0: That's like a velociraptor mark on a bird.
1: It is, but i don't know all the birds i've shot nothing's had some real long hooks on it it's always been that three quarters seven eighths okay but longer beards heavy heavy birds that are yeah over 20 easily
0: and i'll shoot the first jake that walks by like i'm not a turkey guy um
1: i tuned up on a jake my last hunt of the year last year that was the second bird
0: yeah you Uh, killed two birds last year yeah i got two
1: birds last year
0: you're killing all kinds of shit I take
1: my opportunity seriously.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Kyle, uh, my buddy, Kyle, there's, there's a couple photos, I think on our Instagram, he killed a bird with a real, it only had one spur, but dude, it was like, I don't know, it was one and a half plus, like it was a stout spur. Um, and I'll, I'll say that like, dude, I don't care what, what kind of feathering a bird has in the front, but if he's got a pair of raptor claws, like, I'm. I think that's kind of cool.
1: All right, I'm gonna pull an OKS hunter here. Yes, and say you can't eat the Spurs.
0: Oh, yeah, but but like nobody nobody puts feathers. You know, I guess I guess you're right. See, people yeah. say that, and I'm like, but nobody dreams about putting. You know, people dream about putting racks on the wall, but that's that's yeah. deer talk.
1: That's deer talk, but and and we'll get I, to that. But yeah, no, I think we pivot. And and honestly that Jake's going to taste better than that, that big 24 pound Tom, you know, or the Tom is there, is,
0: is there a difference in taste? I've, I've never they're known tougher. that. Are they,
1: they're definitely tougher. Like if you're going to, you, if you shoot a bigger, older bird, the, the meat's going to be a bit tougher. They, okay. they had more years of running in them, you know, that's all they do is run. So yeah, that is true. I mean, cook that stuff down, braise it down, put it in a slow cooker, get all the tendons and bones out of it. Makes great chili. Um, okay. See, I
0: like—I um, don't know. I've done some like, oh, just turkey breast nuggets. I've done like bacon, wrapped jalapeno popper style. That's that's yeah. a good one. The wife actually likes uh, wild turkey um, more than say venison. I feel
1: that it's easier to sell them on turkey. I think it's one. It's texture and color of the meat and mm. the flavor. It's not as pungent as venison is. Yeah. You know, like my wife will tell you, too, she'll eat turkey before she'll eat the venison. She likes venison. Yeah. But it's got to be the right cuts,
2: too.
0: Yeah. Well, let's pivot to deer. It is, it is here uh, early March, and you guys just got uh, um, some cold temps. Some Do you guys have snow on the ground still or now?
1: Yeah, we have a little bit uh, in the shadier spots. Uh, The fields for the most part are melted off unless you uh, get to the ditches or you know the shaded side of the fence lines okay Um, in some of the thicker parts of the swamp it is still snow covered Um, okay now when
0: let me ask this because i don't spend much time in the swamp when you're scouting the swamp and it's like these marches temperatures do you want it to go ahead and freeze over and just be cold cold or do you want it to just be fully like melted and like you don't you don't have that surprise factor. I would think you could like walk on thin ice and then like it would break and you would fall down into the swamp because like there's so much like collective water in different places and swamps, I think.
1: Yes. Yes to both.
0: <laughs> so, so you <laughs> want it fully frozen or do you want it all the way defrosted?
2: Frozen.
1: Or So the nice part about being frozen is that I can get through there without usually finding too many hot spots and get a soaker. Okay the
0: a soaker as in party. you fall through and get wet kind of thing
1: oh yeah yeah over over a knee boot fill it up usually end up wet in your pants and everything it's it's a full-fledged okay s moment all the time um right now we're real dry mm-hmm. so our swamps are extremely they're not as wet as they normally are i mean typically i have to access most of the spots i'm going through in hip waders it's pretty ugly but with how dry it's been we were basically in a drought i think we're in the negative by like 20 inches of rainfall
0: that's um, wild because we have had yeah. the wettest february march um they actually had to check the bridge down the street from my house to make sure it didn't wash
1: wash and out some of the supports all that all that's missing us by you know by a few hours it's just south of us so you guys are getting it we're not mm-hmm. um but getting back to it it's probably easier to have that completely thawed and working through the wet than it is to try you know walking through over we'll say questionable ice conditions sure you know you take three steps you're good four five six steps all of a sudden you're post holding through okay that's an, it's a nightmare and it's a kind of a pain in the butt yeah and chances are if you're post holding through there the deer aren't really liking that type of condition either, so they may not be in the swamps at that point in time.
0: Do you, do you find that that they evacuate the swamps at some point because of um, I would think one thermally would it? it I guess it, it swamps would also keep predators away because they don't want to deal with that cold and wet, but right. I can see at the same time, it swamps may not hold up to the elements as good, or if. If they don't catch, you know, if the thermal cover's not there or it it, it doesn't have the, the little bit of uh, topography that does doesn't like catch some of that southern or eastern facing sun, they may say uh, the late sea or late in the year, they're gonna abandon them.
1: There are some parts of the swamp where you go through there in November and it's loaded with sign. Okay. it's covered. There's rubs, there's trails pounded through. You might find a scrape in some areas where it's not so wet. If there's a low hanging branch, you can tell that they're using it. It's great. But as soon as all of that freezes up, it's like you said, that swamp or marsh is kind of a safe haven from predators. Coyotes don't wanna go splashing through. And the deer use that open water as kind of a warning device. Mm-hmm. They can hear they can hear something splashing around and they're pretty well in tune to it. Where once it ices over and it's snow covered, now the coyotes predators are pretty stealthy. They mm-hmm. can they can get in there without making a whole lot of noise, especially if they're walking deer trails.
2: Interesting. Because deer trail,
1: deer trails get pretty wide through cattails.
2: Okay. Okay. Especially if
1: they're you're hitting, you know, if there's one area of that swamp that is just perfect for them and you know, several ways of security, some thermal cover, it's downwind, you know, they can smell anything coming in on those access trails, they'll be there. But as soon as, you know, some of those options of security are are taken away, then they're, they're moving on. And two, food may not be as, as available either. I mean, they don't need to, they don't need as much food i think as they needed water obviously just like humans and once the water is gone you know other than eating snow i think they move on
2: okay
0: okay um i guess in the swamps do they necessarily feed a lot there like is there enough like browse and and stuff that they can consume i know don't locust trees kind of grow near water like isn't that
2: we don't
1: have a whole lot for locust trees here. Oh. Uh, what we do have a ton of is um, dogwood. Yeah. A ton of red brush. Red brush grows rampant in our swamps. Okay. So, like, we actually got a little scouting trip we're taking tomorrow. Me, Derek, and Eric. All three of us are going. Um, we're going to go check out some spots around here. And... It's loaded with red brush. We walk yeah. in there right now, every every bit of red brush, even if it doesn't look like there's been some deer sign close by tracks or a trail, it's nipped mm. off. Mm. And not far away, you'll find deer hair. You know, if, if there's a little bit of water, deer hair will be floating there. Okay. So they're eating They're eating red brush. Definitely. Um, okay. There isn't much else for them to eat. Red brush, they'll eat some sumac. Those are probably their two main brows right now and as okay. soon as things start to green up i mean we'll find find some areas where the, the sun has been hitting pretty good right now i can think of one spot where grass the, the canary grass is laying down and there's some some roots and some green shoots there they're pawing it up and they're eating eating the green shoots that are starting to come up
0: okay okay now we're talking here a lot of off-season scouting do you think that's super relevant like as far as a swamp hunter is concerned or is it something that during season you seem to like i don't know i could see you walking a lot of stuff uh, and now true i have zero swamp hunting experience but if you're walking swamp areas and it's lit up with buck sign you go in there the next year is it something that those deer shift out of like maybe they're they're not there year over year sometimes i feel like in hill country the good habitat combination with factor of, of maybe it's a less pressured area of the big woods. You're like those deer, there's going to be a doger bedding somewhere in that area. Like they're there year over year. Oaks sometimes shift a little bit, but like as far as bedding and like good habitat and like good pinches, some of that is year over year. I feel like.
1: Yeah. And I have spots that are like that. Like I know where I've killed two bucks now. I know as soon as I start seeing sign in some of that area, Mm -hmm. particularly these these trees that are out there, once I start seeing rubs on there, and it usually doesn't happen until mid-October, I can usually judge if there's a really good one in there or not, Yeah, just by the height of the rub. This year, I didn't see real high rubs in there. The buck I shot wasn't a monster. Don't care. I was happy with it. But I know that there's always going to be a deer in there as soon as those rubs open up. Mm -hmm. I know that there's bucks in there. There's another spot on probably north of that by about 800 yards. Some years I see buck sign in there, fresh rubs, things going on, scrapes, Mm -hmm. areas tore up. And then I won't see anything like that in there for two years. Yeah. Why that is, I don't know if it's the way somebody is hunting that area and like two kind of to get off track with it but this year i found a tree in that one area that you know definitely could tell climbing sticks were strapped to it some have yeah. been hunting that tree
0: i think uh, yeah. the ohio listeners need to realize that wisconsin the hunting heritage even though there's less people in the state and less people in the individual counties uh, the hunting culture is way more prevalent and in fact until a, Oh, until recent, Wisconsin was the only state I've ever seen somebody packing in standing sticks. You know, generally in Ohio, if I was running into other hunters, even in parking lots uh, or in the woods, they always had climbers on their back. And the very first hunter I ever ran into with standing sticks on their back where I was like, that guy's kind of, he must know what he's doing, was in Wisconsin. Um, And I think I even texted you the, the year I was hunting Wisconsin. I was like, dude, I am a mile and a half back. And I was like, there are squirrel hunters everywhere. Yeah.
1: Especially like the area you were in.
0: An opening Drift, day of. of
1: Driftless. I mean, that's, that's squirrel haven. You got all sorts of oak ridges in there. Yeah. You're yeah. going to see a lot of squirrel hunters where I'm a swamp hunter because that's mm-hmm. what I have. There are places with oaks and where are, where there are places with oaks. I've heard guys in there shooting squirrel sure. hunting. Um. But back in the swamps, so I don't get bothered by squirrel hunters, duck hunters, maybe um, pheasant hunters. They'll kind of work the edge of the yeah. swamp, but never squirrel hunters. It's always yeah, duck j- or j- pheasant my or other point, hunters. Yeah,
0: my point there is like if if I run into 10 people at the grocery store, chances are none of them hunt. Sure. You run into 10 people at the grocery store, one or two may hunt.
1: Yeah, at least one if, or two may If hunt. we just
0: said males in their 20s to 50s. You know, tw- you know, 20 to 60 years old. If I walked up to people in, in Columbus, Ohio, chances are they don't hunt, but in Wisconsin, it's a little different, there, there's a little bit higher, uh, it's just way more a part of the culture.
1: Yeah, it's really a big part of our culture. And I mean, it dwindled down a bit there for a while, but I think within the past three years, it's really picked up. One with COVID, people are looking for something different to do. And I think social media had a lot to do with it too. Like people are seeing that it's cool to hunt again for some reason, that it's cool to. A
0: little bit of the out. green hippie movement is in there too.
1: Yeah. And, and Hey, you know what? God bless them. I'm glad they're out there. I'm glad they're doing it. We need people doing it. Um, we just got to have enough land for everybody to, to sure. work with. And, and it almost seems like some days we don't have enough land to work with.
0: Sure. Yeah. We would always use a little more.
1: Yeah. We always could
0: um so so greg i i think at this point uh, we should pivot and just let me ask follow-up questions to your uh your 2021 buck i'd like you to uh walk us through maybe the 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 week the day key parts, something something to kind of tell that story um and i can ask tactical or or questions that i have
1: sure well i'll back it up just a little bit further i mean you and i know that I was really looking hard for a certain buck and I think I blew my chance opening night at him. I just didn't get in tight enough. I wasn't aggressive enough. And then I believe there are two or three other hunters that knew about that buck and they really put a lot of pressure on that area. And I never saw him again after that.
0: Yeah. Well, I I mean, you were at base of the tree and looked up and yeah, how far away was he?
1: I didn't see him, see him. I could see his outline sure. and he blew pretty loud. So yeah, if you were a
0: betting man, I'd say above 50% that this was a uh, said target.
1: Yeah. I'm fairly confident because I had him on that camera in that area like, very often. Yeah. it, would, it I fun. think you had a
0: picture of him. Um, you'd check the card and you're like, dude, if I get i opening openings coming up, if I get the same wind, he was here we, you know we're talking four days from opener or something you know yeah. very likely uh this yep. big bodied ghost or object uh, of a deer could have been him. yeah
1: yeah so i would say he was probably under 30 yards away yeah and like he kept blowing and he didn't leave mm. he just kind of moved about five yards a little bit further blew and then came back another 10 yards blew again and he didn't leave. And it wasn't yeah. like a, a doe with fawns where she would have blown and left. Yeah. He just, he hung out there. And I don't know. It was kind of a bummer. And, mm. I, and I tried hunting around that area a few more times. And then I started seeing cell cam show up. And then I saw a couple guys walking in. And then the one trail was just getting pounded. Like you could tell like the opening in the brush was getting bigger by the week. Guys were going in there. Or mm. one guy was hunting at the same spot right over his cell cam. And I actually did see him hunting over the cell cam out of a saddle. Okay. So I bailed. That was enough. And yeah. then, uh, and it was time to move on. It was time to move on to another spot. Actually, I went back where I shot the doe. I gave, I gave it a little bit of break, went over and shot a doe in October and then came back and just kind of checked it out again. I had an ideal window hunt in that spot. I did and saw nothing. Um, and then I decided, you know what? I'm just going to leave this alone he hasn't shown up on that one camera in a long time I had another camera in another part of that area he wasn't on that one he turned into a ghost he's done but okay to be fair I mean you and I have talked I've had that deer on camera since 2018 yeah so we kind of have a history I've bumped him out of beds twice before that so he's been pretty well educated by me and Lord knows who else so it was time to pick up and move on i i wasn't gonna keep pushing the pushing the issue if he wasn't there i don't believe he was there because there was did you have
0: a couple like backup bucks at this point via trail cam or uh sightings or shining
1: i had so i sent you pictures of that guy and then he had that his buddy that eight pointer well that Mm -hmm. eight pointer disappeared that 12 pointer was around that eight pointer showed up the 12 pointer was around, the, the, that eight pointer disappeared. He was a tall, tight framed eight. He disappeared, and then all of a sudden, middle of October, the big 12 was gone, that tall, tight eight was back, and he was tearing things up all over the place. Mm-hmm. But on my camera, I had those guys showing up on my camera all the time, and I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave this alone. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I did.
0: Those guys, do you mean deer do you mean people? People. Okay. Or
1: people showing up on my camera so I decided these guys were, were pressuring it pretty hard I'm not gonna waste the time here
0: now as another public land hunter do you get discouraged when you see people on trail cam
1: I don't get totally discouraged because it, sometimes you can use it to your favor but just with all the recon and stuff I've done in the scouting and I do my mm-hmm. share of in in-season scouting too I scout my way into a spot and if it doesn't look great i'm seeing a lot of people sign like thumbtacks and you know flag markers and whatnot i saw a lot of pink tape around my area um wrapped around tree branches
0: yeah Um, but like i don't know i feel like when i'm flipping through a card outside of gun season of course um if i see another hunter on my card i'm kind of like hmm This is, uh, this is not good. This is a, and it's almost like a, uh, it's a little bit of a gut punch when you're flipping through the card. Cause you know, you're sitting there tap, 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 oh, doe, 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 buck, small buck. Where's the shoot? Oh, giant buck. Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. And then boom person. You're like, oh shit. Like it is such a gut punch. Um,
2: that I, I,
1: it is a bit of a gut punch and it's not, I mean, I don't get totally mad about it, but it is a little disappointing. You know, it's like half, you got to keep that in your mind that there's a 50, 50 chance you're going to have this spot to yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I am. Sometimes it's even greater. Um, just full disclosure, but, but yeah, like if I get through a card and there's no people, dude, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty hyped. And, yeah. and um, I just feel like I, I've noticed if I get, and, and a lot of times that coincides with gun season just because there's just more people in the woods, but it's like, it really shuts a lot of things down um, on that card or on that camera.
1: Yeah. And you're definitely not getting daytime movement like you mm-hmm. were, or, or even just that last light movement. You're not getting movement till ten, eleven o'clock at night, three yeah. in the morning, maybe five in the morning when they're heading back, you know, um, and in the dark yet. Yeah.
0: So you had a couple other prospects. Um let's uh what time of year did you kind of decide okay i'm I'm gonna abandon ship and 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 really kind of i don't know talk to me how you ended up in the location you did to to find this buck
1: like right after right after we came back from illinois derek and i went down to illinois for the last weekend of october first week of november kind of thing um it was fun learned learned a bunch of stuff we didn't we didn't kill anything on the trip had some opportunities kill some does and some small bucks but that's not what we wanted to wanted to mm-hmm. hunt for so came back did a card pull, and that was like magic time should have stayed home i had all sorts of different random 10 eight nine pointers showing up and i'm going that's when i pulled the card from the one spot and found a guy walking through with a headlamp on it like Ten thirty at night i'm going he must have shot one in here i'm just gonna 10 30 at him. night he
0: either got lost or he was tracking one yeah, yeah you're not time. you're not in the woods there are very few guys in the woods at yeah. that time mine is like sunset is x there are very few guys in the woods 30 minutes even after sunset right um so
1: so that was like kind of the determining factor i'm gonna go back to that one area See if there's any sign. Any sign is finally opened up.
0: Yeah,
2: and I'm let me back. let
1: me
0: pause you real quick. You had never out of state hunted. I've I've hunted a few states. I think it's a good opportunity. I think it puts you outside your comfort zone. I think it's good. At the same time, I hundred percent think if you'd have been in your state, you had a significant higher chance to kill a buck that week. What are your thoughts about leaving leaving yeah. this area to to go?
1: Don't don't think I didn't second guess that and, and don't think it didn't cross my mind. I'm going, you know, I know yeah. historically my cameras usually really light up between the 15th and we'll say the fourth mm-hmm. of, of you know 15th of October to the fourth of November is gold. There's a lot of movement going on. Yeah. And even even right up till gun season, there's a lot going on. But yeah, yeah it was was like, ah man, but this this, you know. Ideally, ideally,
0: so 2022. Are you leaving late October to go to another state?
1: <laughs> I don't think so. Not unless I'm uh, I'm punching a tag by mid October.
0: Yeah, because yeah, because you uh, you know you may shoot one opening uh, opening week or in September or early October. At that point, you can leave your state. Um, I think if you live in a decent state or if you've got some things dialed, I think filling your first tag is it. I don't think leave yeah I don't think leaving especially that time of year is a great idea. Live and learn. Yeah, and, live and, and learn. There is no shame to to saying I want an adventure bow hunt in another state and and I want to I want to hone my skills and and see and do that. Yeah. But I
1: yeah, I mean, and there was a couple things I thought about, too. Either I could, I could punch out early. I could be, mm. you know, September, mid-October, be punched out early.
2: Yeah. Or, and or
0: Dave has a pretty good counter to this, is late season, you're back in your home core if you punch, if you go somewhere during the right, I, I, I kind of like, man, I just want to kill one. Two is a bonus, I want to kill one. Um, but then the counter to that is you'll never cure, kill two, unless you kind of hedge your bets. I, I don't know. I, I, it is a tough game. I'm not Andy May.
1: No, I'm not Andy May either. Uh, Joe Rentmeister, any of those guys, uh, I'm just okay at hunting. I love it. And I'm going to continue to do it until I can't physically do it. Sure. You know? But you, again,
0: 2022, you're not leaving late October to go to another state at this point.
1: Probably not. Yeah. Probably not, not unless, uh, I've got something, something down.
0: And maybe it's something like, uh, once every three years, you're like, okay, I'll take an out-of-state road trip in in a good state. Sure. But on those other two, I'm going to stay focused at home and I'm going to try and punch a tag. Yeah. This is is just two guys spitballing. I, I, you know, I, I I think you and I have similar thoughts around this at this point. Yeah,
1: I, I think so too. Um, will I do that again? Like you said, it's, it depends if I have something down, if I get better at it. Yeah. Know, if I get more well, you and I have a
0: trip planned sometime in the future at some undisclosed location.
1: It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You bet. Yeah. Um. But going forward, if I'm not punched out, I need to be home and be a, be a rut hunter and, and do what I can do. I mean, the last two bucks I killed were November in November was, november 3rd and november 12th i believe so but getting back to it yeah 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 it was time to go hit that spot because i kind of i think i gave i gave that spot the the spot where i was chasing a deer a break and went to another spot and looked at it and the deer trails haven't even opened up in the thick thick cover yet like the deer haven't been moving through there to hit the crop fields it's all right Well, I'm going to still try and get my way in here, or I'm going to throw a sit at maybe the edge of it and see if they're working the edge and never did see anything, but came back in November and lo and behold, the trails were pounded through that stuff. Okay. Deer using it. Decided to, I actually took some time off. That was a Friday. It was raining and snowing and (laughs) it was nasty out. And my wife looked at me. She goes, "You're gonna, you're gonna go deer hunting today? Yeah, why not? Deer are gonna move. It's, it's rough." What day is this,
0: as far as on the calendar?
1: Yeah, that was the 12th. I believe it was the 12th of November. I took Mm -hmm. the day off of work.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things. I feel like, at the core, as much time as you can get in from October 25th through the end of November. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and our gun season starts. Oh, yeah right around the 20th of I November. Don't... So we're getting down there. And uh so I decided, well, I'm gonna get out and scout and work my way through this spot. It's usually how I do my best on bucks, anyways, is I I walk stand sticks on my back or saddle and platform, whatever I decide to go out with. Nope, you I said stand sticks, hand. you're stuck with that. Well, that's that's what it was this time. The doe was out of out of the the, the saddling and platform and this this tree i'm glad i had a stand because it was just too big and gnarly to
2: fit a
0: you know what you are one of the only guys that i talk to regularly that says i do both at probably roughly a 50 50 level yeah and i i think a lot of those saddle guys well I, I i don't know their scenarios but a lot of my scenarios favor a tree stand And and I'm like, man, like just to completely write off not ever using a stand seems odd. I
1: I will wholeheartedly say that if you told me I had to use one tool, I have my most comfortability with a tree stand, with a hang-on tree stand Mm -hmm. and sticks. I like the saddle. It works well, especially if you got a nice straight tree without a lot of limbs. You don't have to do a lot of trimming. And Honestly, I legally can't be trimming limbs off of trees where i hunt
0: yeah i don't know anybody. but yeah i know you nothing can't. about trimming you're not limbs. supposed
1: to you're not supposed to so I, I i like the tree stand because i can then put those said limbs behind me and i've got i've got an area where i can shoot mm-hmm. so the tree stand is always you can put a tree stand anywhere for the most part mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how that's disputable, but this is a big, nasty tree. It had plenty of cover and you probably see it in the video that, you know, figure out where I'm hunting I'm walking through the the swamp and, and looking, looking for sign, wasn't finding a whole lot, started finding some, found a scrape that was opened up, found a cell cam over the scrape, kept on going found some rubs and and some some rubs that were horizontal rubs Hmm. and they were probably a good 40 inches off the ground and it was rubbed for about two feet you know along that so something had been using that and it was pretty fresh because it was pretty green so i know this area and i know where about the deer usually bed but they could bend anywhere because it's pretty thick okay keep walking and i'm looking and i'm trying to pick out a tree and i'm the one that hits there's this is an area where probably four trails cross through
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and i'm kind of trying to put myself in the middle and this tree just happened to work the best
2: so okay
0: like 15 yards you got like uh, i guess when you say multiple trails just a a couple good intersections within 20 20 yards bow range
1: so this is a strip this is a strip of willow and uh and poplar trees jump mm-hmm. trees there's mm-hmm. no hardwoods in this because it's swamp any other year it's probably six to eight inches of water in there you're not getting in there with a pair of a pair of hiking boots
2: okay yeah but
0: because
1: of how dry it's been i i hunted out of hiking boots most of the, most of the season so i decided to pick this tree because one there's a transition edge where it comes out of the edge of the probably about 15 yards away there's an edge to going into this nasty thick giant ragweed and cattail and mix of all sorts of nasty stuff and then it's kind of to the south it's all it's not open but it's more open than if I were to be out on the transition but there's trails that cross through there to go off to the edge of this we'll call it a willow thicket. And I decided to hang up in this, this one poplar tree that was, you know, that thing was probably as big around as this cooler I'm sitting next to. It's a good 18 inches around or more and there's limbs all over it. So yeah, there's a transition where the deer will walk the edge. There's several trails inside of this thicket that they're crossing through. And then, probably another 70 yards through that thicket, there's another edge where it opens up into canary grass. And then there's some more of the thick ragweed and other nasty stuff. And historically, I've killed uh, three or four does out of there already. Okay. So, a good years. area to be spending. It's some a good time area. I, I have a ton of confidence. I, yep. if, if you told me I had one, one or two spots to go, which one would I pick? this would be the one to pick to say, yep, I can go in there and see deer. And I'm very confident that I can go kill a deer there.
2: Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah.
1: So um,
0: so, yeah. So you spot. get up in the stand, what time of day is it? Cause I know, I think you had a deer early Yeah, and then a very so big I gap. There,
2: I,
1: I made my way through the swamp after doing a lot of, you know, scouting and mm-hmm. finding, finding what I wanted to find, not a hundred percent what I wanted to find, but give it a shot. I'm here. And the weather conditions were getting worse. But um, it was about 11 o'clock. I finally got up, had, had the stand set. I was just about ready to pull the bow up, and I heard a, a twig break and turned and looked through the thicket. And there was that, I don't think it must have been a six pointer. I just posted about him, I think. Yeah. And uh, he just kind of worked his way through, and I had my bow leaning against the tree with the fletchings poking up bright orange and white fletchings can't miss them you know deer colorblind but it was right against the the, the bare tree sure. and he kind of looked right at it and he looked up the tree a little bit i might okay. have been moving a little bit and i filmed him mm-hmm. and he just kind of went kind of looked and went huh yeah maybe th- no nah, i think i'm gonna go so he put mm. his head down and he never lifted his tail he never blew he just kind of trotted off and he stopped and he turned around and he looked again
0: yeah so, he, so at this point you gotta be like dude the rut's on i'm seeing a buck like yeah. they're out poking around like this is gonna be a sweet hunt
1: this is gonna be a good day it's gonna be a great day so 11 by eleven thirty, I was all up in the tree camera arm on camera on the wind picked up and all of a sudden it rained it rained really hard and then it changed to snow hmm. And then it kind of calmed down a little bit. And then, I don't know, it must have been an hour later, it picked up. It snowed. It stopped. It rained a little bit. It stopped. I hadn't seen anything. And here it's like 4.30. It's getting close to closing time. You know, probably about 15 minutes before close. I'm drenched. I'm starting to shiver. It's yeah. snowing for like... The nothing worse
0: time. than... Yeah, it, there is nothing worse than like slightly above freezing temps and like that rain that wetness at like 37 degrees like you're just like dude, it's this exactly
1: is exactly it
0: this is the worst like i would take 20 i would take 10 i would take 15 in snow over 40 in rain for sure
1: yeah and that's one of the holes in my armor is not having a rain a rain suit you know have yeah. hunt out of
0: and just garbage don't. bag garbage
1: yeah garbage bag or the cheap stern's one out of my boat that's probably got two mouse holes chewed through it, and mm. it'll kind of work as a windbreaker, but it's noisy as hell. Yeah, it's it's one of the things I'd like to improve on, I guess, going forward. One of these days, but not yeah. a priority. um But yeah, it, the weather just kept switching: rain, snow, wind. And by four thirty, 430, four thirty-five, I kind of looked and. St- the clouds were starting to thicken up again so you know that kind of takes some daylight away and i looked at it my camera had just been soaked it just been getting its bell rung by the weather like well i'm gonna pull this thing off the off the arm and a pack i'm gonna start packing some stuff up i'll keep the bow i'll keep an arrow knocked in the bow quiver will be hanging on the tree it's all fine mm. no sooner i got the camera packed up full, dried off i had a towel in my bag and wiped it down tucked it in the bag got the camera arm off the tree got it in the bag got the base off and about two minutes later i hear a twig snap kind of right in the area where i saw the first little deer come through and i look and i can just see like sunlight was gleaming off his coat okay a little reflecting out of the clouds and you can see i could I could see him coming through the marsh grass and
0: at distance from stand. How, how far is he?
1: He's probably about 50 yards. Okay. I can just see him moving. Cause I could hear him. It was, it was a steady crunch, crunch,
0: crunch, mm-hmm. crunch.
1: And it was like right on a string coming right towards me. At that right point, off, do you right know off, it's a buck? I knew it was a buck probably at about 50 or at 40 yards. But like- you
0: know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I feel like when you hear it, you're like, Eighty percent chance that's a buck.
1: Yeah, well, and I, I had a feeling it was a buck because that's what I had seen. Usually, if there's does in that area, they're mm-hmm. already moving by then.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Just historically, that's what I'm used to. The does are usually moving by then. And lone deer, I can hear it crunching. It it stepped on a dead log and just crack, you know. And I see it coming. I kind of see it duck under something like that's a buck. And then he he closed the distance to about 30 yards, and he stopped, and there's a little patch of canary grass. And he kind of – he tipped his head underneath this branch and kind of picked it up, and and he was tall. wasn't real far past the years, but I'm like, yeah, you know, if you – you come this is the This this is
0: the moment you know. Like, dude, I'm shooting him.
1: This is is happening because I've been through enough already this year. I haven't shot a buck in a while it's time Mm -hmm. and fair enough he came five yards quarter two I had full draw I didn't I didn't do the math I didn't do anything to stop him because he just kind of he'd saunter over and he would he just stutter step just enough and I just put it behind the front shoulder it was a little high because I was up above him and uh squeezed off on the release I heard the top and I watched him sidestep and kind of do a big loop around and go just to the south of me. And he stopped. And I called my buddy Derek. I'm like, dude, I just shot one.
0: Wait, he walking. stopped. Did he fall over?
1: No, he just stopped. He was stopped and he was just kind of sitting there. Like he was so you're already
0: making phone calls and this deer still on all four feet.
1: Yeah. Oh, I can see gosh. the arrow. Dude. dude, the arrow was the arrow. It was no mistake. And I killed that deer because bold
2: move, folks.
1: Dude. When, when it feels right it feels right and it felt right I could see the arrow from my stand coated in blood there's blood all over the canary grass mm-hmm. I could even see fur hanging there white fur so I knew I hit him high and came out the belly mm. and blood all over the place and I could hear blood spraying out of him uh, hitting the, hitting any, any little bit of dead foliage that was around and he just The way he was moving, he wasn't moving fast. He just kind of went off, stopped at about 60 yards. I called Derek, said, hey, man, I just shot a buck. And all of a sudden, I started shaking. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, he's standing right there. I think he's going down. And as soon as I said, I think he's going down, the phone slid out of my hands. Oh, God. It made it past the tree stand without tagging the platform and landed in the canary grass down below. And I'm looking at him going, oh, shit. I look up and I just watched that buck stutter step and gone. He was down below the, below the, the cover, you know, he didn't go far. He was 60 yards away from the tree stand, He, he piled up. He's done. Nice. So, so I gave it a few minutes, half-ass collected myself, scurried down the tree, grabbed my phone, scurried back up the tree, started packing <laughs> okay. my crap up. Okay. Finished my, packing my crap up. I think I lowered my my bow down and I burnt my hands in the process because I was, Mm -hmm. you know, down it went.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Well, do I? No, I'm gonna go over and and you know get pictures of the arrow and you know do all that stupid crap and yeah, (laughs) checked it out and oh yeah, tip to tip to tail that that arrow was covered. Look good. White hair there, just like I, you know, I wasn't seeing things from the tree stand because it was literally six paces from from the base of the tree to where I hit him
0: oh geez so yeah, i i didn't realize it was dead. that close yeah
2: it
1: was close it was real close um blood all over the place i'm like mm-hmm. yep he's done he's toast so and i watched him fall even mm-hmm. though i didn't like see him laying there not like the one from a few years ago where he literally died 20 yards away yeah. <laughs> it was uh it was great finished packing up my stuff i think i called you I called my
0: wife i know exactly where i was i was pulling in the driveway
1: and then i uh and
0: it was raining that night yeah it was i I did i remember it like i'm i'm like (laughs) because you know you get a few of those phone calls generally late october november and if it's like somewhere around sun sundown chances are encounter or dead buck right and it could be a blown but like generally like you know there's like four or five guys that call me and it's just like like i remember i picked up the phone i was like did you shoot one because you just <laughs> yeah. know it's november 12th like like this is when it happens <laughs> yeah it's a cool feeling it, it, yeah it, it, it is very cool
1: yeah i it was great to be able to you know finally see the deal on something nice nine pointer um heavy body He's only a two year old deer, but maybe, deer. yeah, it might be. I, I don't know, whatever, it's, yeah, yeah, might I'm happy be, with it. yeah. And
2: maybe he's
0: a three year old, he, maybe he's a four year old,
1: but yeah, he's not four. I don't think he's people four, don't
0: but, know, dude.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> there is always possibilities, like it's just, yeah, unless you, you like lived with the deer for for the whole time he was alive like how do you really know like i i don't even think like the tooth testing is like 1000 percent accurate it but it, it it may be 99 it may be 95 i don't know what it is but i don't believe it's truly a thousand but yeah. maybe it isn't maybe i don't know but but bottom line you know the deer made oh. you excited like you said it, it got me
1: excited yeah and it's been no, a
0: couple years always good to
1: it's been a few years it's good to knock the dust off and and get acquainted with a buck again
2: and mm-hmm.
1: you know i had my share of encounters with, with several little ones this this past season yep. hell i had that one at two yards on the ground like he stopped and looked twice at me before he bolted and that yep. would have been a real yep. easy one to kill right on the ground but i don't know i, I just uh, i wanted something bigger it's not my biggest hopefully it won't be my uh won't be my last so
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, and you just, you have said next year it's kind of bigger or bust for you.
1: Yeah, it is I, now. Now that I've kind of got things back on track, I got yeah. surgery taken care of and a few other things. Um, it's going to be a goal of shooting something one thirty or bigger.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's a that's a good yeah a, a good thought a good task um regardless of inches. Um, I, I I'm a, I'm a firm believer. Of, okay. I'm going to hold myself to this standard, but if I start trickling, you know, I, after a year or so, I think I'm going to kind of kind of take a step back, reassess and probably shoot one and get some confidence. And yeah, I just, uh, I'm, 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 I'm kind of with you on that. Like there's a little bit of a floating bar uh, uh, based on last year's performance. Yeah. Uh, or, and my uh, Last couple of my, years my, performance.
1: Yeah. Last couple of years. No problems killing does i mean last mm-hmm. year for 2020 i killed two does one on opening day and one later on and mm-hmm. had two other opportunities to kill a few more but i held out and decided i wanted a buck but never ever made it happen never even found a decent opportunity to kill a buck yeah I had more yeah. opportunities i had i had <laughs> i had better odds of putting somebody else on a buck and then missing
0: yeah yeah eric <laughs> you put eric on a slam dunker
1: yeah, it was a nice range
0: finder night. We'll have to tease him about that.
1: Oh, yeah. I promised I wouldn't beat him up too bad on this. So
0: No, Eric's a great
1: guy. Great guy. He sure certainly is. Certainly so. is.
0: Well, Greg, uh, anything else you want to uh, mention here? We're kind of coming up on that uh, hour 15, hour 30 mark.
1: It's been that long. Wow.
0: Yeah, um, well, I, let, let me say this. Uh, uh, Greg has some kind of cool Frankenstein uh, sticks that he uh, made. <laughs> he took some extra. tell the people about these. They're, they're pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I took, and I ended up with some one by one, uh, 60, aluminum tubing, square tubing, yep, box tubing, just like, you know, a lot of the lone wolf single step st- uh, sticks were made out of. Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, you know, some of the stuff I got to crawl through those longer sticks are a pain in the ass to try and get through without making noise. I yeah, it makes failed. sense for
0: what you're doing to run some yeah, minis.
1: Run some minis. So I played around with trying to build something, and I came up with a set of minis that worked out really well. They packed in nice with that that XOP platform for for the saddle, which was phenomenal. It's nice, compact, and then with that that tiny little sandcast stand that I have, that old lone wolf sandcast stand that I have they fit together really nice it's a nice compact type package so I messed around with them just with single steps and then somehow I ended up with a set of double step from XOP just the brackets the double step brackets and I ended up pulling the single step foldable steps off and going to the doubles and I will say standing on a double at the top when you're trying to set a stand is really nice. Yeah. Do I need it? No, I could, I could go either way. I could go the single just for the compact cause they fold up tighter. Sure. You know, they're more like a transformer versus, uh, versus those, those singles or those doubles. You're going to have a bigger footprint there. They, they take up more room. They're yeah. not quite as compact cause they don't fold up.
0: Yeah. And Greg was set to hunt, uh, last season going into season he had this Frankenstein saddle platform (laughs) and like a week before season, I was like, Greg, if you take me ice fishing, I'm going to buy you this XOP platform. So I sent him it in exchange for ice fishing uh, uh, to be redeemed next, next uh, uh, January.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Provided everybody stays healthy and uh, I'm done with surgery.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. I was like, there is no way. I was like, dude, you need, a, you need a platform for sure.
1: Yeah, and that thing works slicker than snot. I even took it to Illinois with me. I actually hunted. Yeah, it's good.
0: You
2: know, I hunted
1: that's... out of the saddle pretty much all through Illinois. I did not use a tree stand at all. Okay. I was able to find the right trees and put up and had some encounters or I would just hunt. It's nice because it's you just you hunt the way we do and say you don't find a tree or say you just Side, you're not going to mess around going up a tree yeah all you got is is that saddle platform and a couple sticks and you're wearing the saddle well maybe i'm going to ground hunt instead and yeah you don't have to pull that big you know the tree stand's not that big for me but for some like eric would love to not ever hunt out of a tree stand ever again sure it's preference everybody's got their thing but it was nice to be able to just go oh, i'm going to pitch this stuff off in the brush and I'm going to sit here right off this deer trail or over the top of this pinch point and see what comes through. And it works. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to hunt. Don't be afraid to try them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: like I said, you're one of the only guys I see really bouncing back and forth uh, depending on the day and, and about a 50 50 split, but Greg, I, I know when, let's tell the people where they can find the OKS Hunter podcast. And then um, I, like I said, a couple of these hunts are on our YouTube now. And uh, uh, Greg has signed a contract that I am manually signing. He's going to be filming with us hopefully next season. <laughs>
2: um,
0: but where can people find you? Give away your 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 social and the OKS Hunter stuff, and and talk about the live feed with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the uh, OKS Hunter, we do a live a live podcast, which is kind of a, a different thing from what everybody else is doing. We we don't go through and do a bunch of editing. Um, it is what it is, and that's what you get. But every Tuesday night um, at six o'clock central, we're we're live on Facebook. We're live on Twitter. We can go live on YouTube. We get a lot of people on Facebook, YouTube, and,
0: and- it's just not like they push the live button on the cell phone. I mean, they they they've got cameras rolling. Uh, you know, they've got three or four cameras in the studio. Studio's yep. well lit. Uh, there's banners going across the screen. I mean, it looks like an ESPN level production.
1: Yeah. Eric takes a lot of pride in that whole uh, crazy camera setup he's got going on in there and he's done a bang up job of it. And there's always something he's tweaking and trying to make it better for everybody. And um, the cool part about it too, is we want people to be involved and engaged in it. So people from all walks, if you're just beginner, you can get on and talk to the guy that we have as as a guest. Um, If you're a pro and you still like coming in and maybe giving some advice or just chatting with us as normal people. Mm-hmm. We, we love the interaction and that's what it's all about. That's why we do it the way we do it. Um, but we can be found TikTok. We can found, be found on Facebook. Yeah, follow the Instagram. video
0: memes alone on Instagram. It, it, yeah. I will give a, a thumbs up on that for sure.
1: Yeah, and a lot of that's derived right out of TikTok.
0: That,
1: okay. whole, that whole live thing. I'm not on TikTok personally. Um, Facebook and Instagram, Instagram, just my first name, my last name. Greg Tubbs, I'm probably one of the only ones out there. Um yeah, hit me up, say hello. Yeah, I don't know what advice I don't know what advice I can give you. Just go out and hunt, go out and uh, scout, enjoy it. I think that's about the only advice I can give you is is go out and enjoy it. Yeah. And uh be passionate about it. Okay. And if you're not, if you're not, then uh then you know, go fishing or something else.
0: There you go. There you go. Well, Greg, I appreciate it. I, uh, I enjoyed this. I think we bounced around a little bit, uh, from, from, oh, uh, what, what beer you started the night with to, to some Turkey talk and, and firearm uh, loads with that. And then we bounced into some scouting and, and, uh, finished here with the, the deer story, but, uh, I appreciate you jumping on.
1: You bet, man. Call anytime you want somebody with ADD, I'm here to help.
0: Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, man. I'm going to push stop on this recording again. Check them out, guys. Uh, The YouTube videos are out there as well.